brothers and sisters, you need to get in shape to work out. That's right. You heard what I said. Get in shape to work out. Now, is that the rantings of an insane, crazy old coot? Yeah, probably. But there might be quite a bit of truth in what I say and what I am going to tell you here in this little podcast. Before you step into a gym, before you sign that gym membership, get in there with all that bright, shiny equipment and all those beautiful people with all the expensive clothes, etc., etc., etc. You need to condition your body to get the most out of your workout. Okay, here's the way it usually goes. Hey, I'm ready to go to the gym. Yeah, I'm all set. I'm loading my stuff up. You see people everywhere doing it. Got my gym bag, big, huge, giant gym bag. Got my water bottle, got my pre-workout. Got my workout clothes. Something I can't quite figure out. Workout clothes. Let's see, you're wearing shoes. You're wearing gym shorts. You're wearing some type of athletic wear, but you can't work out in that. You have to put on specific workout clothes. Maybe it's a fashionista thing. Maybe you need to show off. Maybe the guns are there. Maybe your genetics are real good. Maybe you, you don't really need to go to the gym. Maybe you're just going there to show off and you need to dress up. Maybe you're a young lady or older woman that wants to show off, show her wares. Look at me. Look at me. That could be the reason for all the millions and millions and millions of dollars that are spent on exercise wear. Your shoes have to be special. And eh, no, they don't. Most of the time I train barefoot anyway. A lot of people train barefooted, but that's okay. You have to have expensive shoes. You have to have expensive wraps. When you get there, after you hit the dressing room and you come out all ready to go, hey, you got to do at least a half hour or 40 minutes of stretching, foam rolling, all that kind of stuff. You, you, you've got to do that because if you don't do that, you might hurt yourself. You just might hurt yourself. Segway here for a minute. Let's say you are downtown and you need to catch the bus. Come around the corner from your office building and the bus is passing you by. Do you stretch out? Do you foam roll? Or do you just run like crazy to catch that bus and get home? I think you just run like crazy and catch the bus to get home. That's what you do, all right? Stretching should be done at the end of your workout, not at the very beginning of your workout. If anything, you should use your opening exercises in a dynamic way to allow you to warm up if you really do need to warm up. 
And really, truthfully, if you want to do some kind of serious warm-up, there's a thing called a track warm-up that track athletes do. I'm not going to get into it. Just look it up online, track warm-up. That's what you should be doing. Karaoke, side-to-side, backpedals, things like that. Things you don't see people doing in gyms to, quote, warm up. Then you go into countless warm-up sets. Baby weight leading into a max, or perhaps if you even know what a work set is, leading to work-up sets with pitiful, woeful, or not even sub-max weight or resistance. After that, you go into bro-style splits with every type of known variation movements for that quote body part for that day. Hey, bro, we're doing buys and tries today. Yeah, I'm doing uh, back and leg split. Hey, man, you know, I'm like uh, hammering the quads and the calves today, man. Yeah, stuff like that. You've seen it. You execute everything that you're executing with pink baby weights that wouldn't challenge your grandma. But, hey, you're doing a ton of, quote, work. You're running a marathon with weights. Can't run a marathon with weights. You just get weaker and weaker and weaker. You don't get stronger running a marathon. You get weaker running a marathon. The end, you start to play out. Same thing. You start doing a marathon with weights, you will wear out. Senseless, okay? It should be noted that sometimes before and after, sometimes even both, much time is spent in the cardio room, cardio hall, cardio section, cardio theater. Simply just another term for hamster wheel. Well, at least hamsters go at it with reckless abandon. They challenge themselves. They create a real metabolic effect when they're just running to beat the band, running to get away from that imaginary cat on that hamster wheel. Kind of not what you're doing. Kind of not what your brothers and sisters are doing if you look around at the cardio equipment in your hall, your gym, your center, where you work out. But let's just say you want to approach this from a, a standpoint where you want to get something out of it, a standpoint, let's just say, like an athlete, how athletes do it, okay? Now, do athletes do extensive extensive uh, stretching and foam rolling and things like that. Yeah, they're athletes. Yeah, they're getting, uh, they're NFL football players that are getting hammered by a 300-pound lineman and slammed into the ground. They're people that have Olympic caliber speed. They're big giants that even though they might have a belly and not have a body beautiful like you're trying to, to, to achieve, you know, beach muscles, they can still outrun you and make you look like a fool. They can still lift more than you. They can still have way more work capacity than you'll ever have because they're athletes. They train in an athletic way. If we borrow something from them, 
the Olympics, Olympians, NFL football players, shot putters, mixed martial artists, boxers, judo people, rugby people, college wrestlers, real athletes. You see, they usually train in a certain manner. In other words, you don't have to go to the gym to get in shape to get the most out of the gym. Because after all, the gym is set up for one thing. It has all of the implements that you need to implement a condition that the body goes through to receive. It's called progressive overload. What is progressive overload? How does one train with progressive overload? Progressive overload means one creates a strength base. Let's say one is doing a bench press. Terrible exercise with very little carryover to the real world, but everybody wants to seem to do a bench press. Let's say you start off bench pressing with an Olympic bar in your gym. The Olympic bar weighs 45 to 55 pounds. And you can only muster in your workout, maybe to get up to 245 pound plates, or as we used to say in the business, wheels on each side. It's about 135 or 145 pounds. And you're struggling with that for seven, eight reps. Progressive overload would mean that you would do certain exercises, assistance exercises, and the regular total body exercise, which would be the bench press, which is actually not a total body exercise. But you would do that exercise and add weight to it as you get stronger. Gonna start off with maybe eight or 10 reps. It's gonna challenge you. After a while, you're building up your other muscles. You're also working on your tendon strength, which you should be. And then you see that 135 pounds or 100 pounds or just the empty bar is too light. So you add more weight to it. You're progressing. You're progressing the overload. As you progress the overload steadily, you're progressing the overload on other exercises that are assisting. They should be assisting the major movements. They're not there to pump you up. They're not there to sculpt you. They're not there for everyone to go, ooh, ah, ooh, you must work out. Yeah, that might be an effect of it, but they're not there for that. They're there to aid you in your gym endeavors, your athletic endeavors, and your endeavor in real life. We're carrying our groceries. We're carrying our children. If we have a physical job, we're picking up, we're moving, we're pressing, we're hammering, etc., etc. We're rising up and down from our chair. That's what we're doing. It's to assist us in that, not to assist us in being beautiful. To some of us with better genetics and those of us who train for that, if you're able to achieve it through your somatype and your genetics, yeah, you're going to look beautiful. The rest of us are just going to be strong, athletic, more improved, more snap in your step. Things that were hard to do all of a sudden do not challenge you anymore. That's what it's all about. So if you're truly training in a progressive overload manner, which is something that most people don't do, 
And if you ever have occasion to go into gyms and hang around in that gym for maybe four or five years, maybe three or four years, you know, if you're serious about your training and you're hitting it up, you will see numerous people that are in there year after year after year. Doesn't make a difference what they look like. What makes a difference is that if they start off with said given weight, hey, three or four years later, maybe five years later, maybe 10 years later, they're still using the same weight. They're still using the same programming. They're still doing the same million exercises. They still haven't added weight. Or maybe they have. Maybe they've added 10 pounds in five years to an exercise. That's ludicrous. You're not trying. Barring injury, you should be much stronger. Your tendons should be trained. You should have some muscular size, not like a big giant, but you should be just a teeny tad stronger, maybe a teeny tad bigger, etc. First thing we start off with is before we even step into a gym, you shouldn't even be there if you don't have work capacity. What the heck is work capacity? Well, I'm thinking most people in the modern age, even those who are fit, let's say I'm fit. Oh, that guy's really fit. Look at him. Look at her. They're really fit. Look at the cuts in their legs. Look how those abs stand out. Oh, they're really cut. They're really fit. Well, it's one way to find out if they are really fit. That's to take them somewhere and let them bail hay. That's to take them somewhere and ask them to whack, walk with a pack for a long period of time. Maybe walk through the woods, up and down hills, stepping over things like that. If they can handle things like that, eh, they might be fit or they might beginning to be fit, on that road to being fit. Looks have nothing to do with being fit. Let's talk about work capacity. You want to get in shape. Some people call it cardio. Oh, it's cardio. I got to have cardio. Got to do cardio. Cardio is one thing, really. It's just exercise for the heart and the lungs. You got to have air via the heart. The heart and the lungs work together. The air comes in, it restricts, doesn't restrict, excuse me, the air comes into your body, it helps distribute oxygen to the heart, the blood vessels. It pumps that oxygen all around, it oxygenates the blood, it gives you what you need. That is the aerobic system, okay? A lot of people say, well, that's our cardio, endurance. That's endurance, okay? Well, endurance is good, okay? Endurance is good. Better to have strength endurance than to have just plain endurance. It's better for the natural world. If you're a marathon runner, that's okay. If you're a, a basketball player, if you're a soccer player, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, people say, oh, in those sports, particularly soccer, and basketball, oh, they're continuously running for the whole time. 
if you will just watch these sports, you'll see that's not true. It's only done in bursts, and they're not really running. Running is sprinting, sprinting. You're only going to last maybe 200, 300 yards at a time sprinting. Then you're going to slow down. Then it becomes a jog, a fast jog, a slower jog, a slower jog, a slower jog. Okay, so you're not running for two hours continuously as you're playing soccer. There's a lot of standing around. Same thing with basketball. A lot of standing around. It's done in spurts. So you want to build up your work capacity. The most things, first thing people think of is this. Well, I'm going to put on my old jogging shoes and I'm going to jog. Oh, that's how you build up that endurance. That's how coach told us how to do it in track. Well, that's very good for track. It's very good for a lot of things. But for modern, everyday training, jogging is only good for several things. It's good for the mind, first of all. That's why athletes, Navy SEALs, the military, college wrestlers, boxers, mixed martial arts guys, get up in the morning at 4.30, 5 o'clock, and jog five miles every day. It's for the mind. Okay, the, it's not for the body. Is there some residual effect for the body? Yes, there is. Does it work the aerobic system? Yes, it does. Does it work some of the musculature? Yes, it does. It's a poor substitute for musculature work, but it does work some of the musculature. But I'll tell you, the next thing it does, it is very bad for pretty much, well, everything else. Your skeletal system, your joints. You get tons of injuries from jogging. The military has just recently changed some of their physical tests. Of course, everybody's failing because they don't have true strength. Just because you can jog five miles doesn't mean you're going to be able to carry your partner on your shoulder 200 yards, a half a mile. You're going to be picking up a 100-pound pack and carrying it. You're going to be running from the enemy. You're going to be doing this. Just because you can jog five miles doesn't mean you're going to be able to do that. As a matter of fact, you'll probably fail in all of the other things. So jogging is kind of a waste of time. Leave it for those who want to jog. Leave it for those it's part of their sport. Let's say you're running marathons, you're running mini marathons, you're in the military and you have to do it to pass a test in the police department and they say, oh, you got to run a mile and a half or two miles in eight minutes or you fail. I don't believe I ever saw a police officer jogging behind a perp who was also just jogging at a leisurely pace trying to get away. I've seen perps sprinting away. I've seen perps fighting with police officers and people in the street and things like that, and then sprinting away. I've never seen them stretch out and jog. It's a waste of time. There are better ways to train than that to get your work capacity. We're just going to hit a couple of very quick little things here for your work capacity. This will be considered part one of you got to get in condition before you even get in the gym to get anything out of it. Your work capacity is first.
First thing we start with is a movement pattern that pretty much well everybody is familiar with. In the modern age, they say the three types of human locomotion. There are three types of human locomotion. You shouldn't do one of them. Walking, jogging, sprinting. You've already talked about which one you shouldn't do. If you can walk, walk. If you can sprint, sprint. People say, oh, sprinting. You can hurt yourself sprinting. Yes, you are, because sprinting demands that you be in shape, first of all, that your muscles, your joints, your bones, your tendons, your hamstrings, your core, all of these things, your heels, your Achilles tendon, be trained for the force that involves jogging. Now, do you have to jog very quick to get some type of effect from it? No, you don't. You can pick a slight hill or even a huge hill and just endeavor to get up that hill as fast as you can. Because of the steepness of the hill, you're struggling. It's like a heavy weight. If you're squatting with a thousand pounds, you're not gonna go down and come up real fast. You're gonna go down and come up slow because it's a light weight. It's hard to push that thing up. Same thing, if you're sprinting up a hill, you're not gonna be a world-class sprinter going up that hill. It's gonna take you some time to get up that hill because it's hard to get up that hill. The mechanics that are necessary to sprint up a hill or get up a hill as fast as you can will lead to less injury than running on a flat surface, particularly on a track or on concrete. So find yourself a hill with some grass if you're gonna do some sprinting up the hill. Just get up that hill as fast as you can. If you feel anything pulling or like, slow down a little bit, okay? Sprinting is very good for you. Walking is very good for you. How many people are walking Oh, people say, oh, I walked my 10,000 steps today. I walked my 20,000 steps today. I walked my 50,000 steps today. Well, in a job that I had for many, many years, I walked on the average of four to four and a half miles a day. And really didn't, wasn't anything, it wasn't challenging, you know. Uh, if I wanted to challenge myself with the walking, I would put on a, a backpack. I would put on a weight vest. I would uh, include some body weight exercises as I was walking. I would include some hills. I would include stepping over things, things like that, to challenge the walking. But for the average person, you should be doing at least 30 minutes of walking a day. If you have to break it up, break it up. Break it up to 10 minutes in the morning, minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes in the evening. It all adds up. It's a cumulative effect for all that. If you have stairs where you live, if you have stairs where you work, endeavor to get up and down the stairs several times. You don't have to come down the stairs. If you want to go up the stairs, that's fine. If you want to go up a flight, then there's four or five flights there, go up a flight, rest, go up another flight, rest a little bit, go up another flight and take the elevator down, that's okay. Give you another chance to hit the bottom after you get off the elevator and come up three more flights. Do you have to fly up those stairs? No. 
You can even mix in, once this gets easy for you, body weight exercises such as push-ups, such as body weight squats, such as isometric chairs like a, uh, an isometric Roman chair, lift, leaning up against the wall in a, a, a seated position, just holding that. I mentioned in my last podcast that at the place where I'm currently employed, I mix in routinely 20 flights of stairs. I go up two flights of stairs, I do 15 push-ups. Go up two more flights of stairs, 15 more push-ups. Two more, till I reach 20 flights of stairs. Actually, it's the 21st floor I can get out on. By that time, I have stopped at least 10 times and done 15 push-ups. That's over 100 push-ups and 20 flights of stairs. Very metabolic, there's a metabolic burn there. Let's talk about the metabolic burn, okay? But before we talk about the metabolic burn, let's give you a couple of other little ideas uh, for your uh, uh, work capacity. You can load things, okay? You can load things on and off a truck, on and off a truck. Let's say you got a 50-pound sack of, of uh, dog food. Okay. Pick that dog food off the back of your truck or out of your car or put it on the top of the trunk of your car. Close it up. Take it off. Turn to the side, squat, put it on the ground. Pick it back up, squat down, pick it back up. Turn around, put it on top of the trunk of the car. Pick it up again, turn around to the other side, squat down. Do that back and forth and back and forth at a leisurely pace, constantly doing that without stopping. For about eight to 10 minutes, trust me, it's harder than it seems, way harder than it seems. You are building your work capacity. You can just Pick that 50-pound sack of dog food up and carry it a distance. Put it down. Put it over one shoulder and carry it a distance. Put it down. Throw it over the other shoulder. Put it down. Put it behind your back. Carry it. Put it down. It's building up your work capacity. You can drag stuff. You can get a heavy weight. You can get a rock. Put it in a sack. Tie some rope to that sack and drag it forward, backward. Doesn't make a difference. You're building up your work capacity. You can push your car. Ever notice that if your car ever broke down or was out of gas, and then you had to push it to the gas station, you were totally spent, totally breathless when you got to that gas station. That is aerobic and metabolic. What it's doing is it's working your heart and your lungs to the max. You can also, if you go to a gym and you have access to what's called a sled or a prowler. All it is is just simulates a car. It is a piece of apparatus that you can load weight on. It has handles on that come straight up and down. You grab that and just push it. You know, grab that and pull it. Okay. You can push it and pull it different ways. You can sprint with it. You can push it, load it heavy. You can load it light. You can do sprints. You can do body weight exercises in between. You are building your work capacity. <clears throat> say one more thing about jogging, all these ridiculous cardio machines that people use. They say, oh, that's how you lose fat. That's how you, that's how you do it. That's, you're sweating. You're, well, it's been scientifically proven. I hate to go back to science, but it's been scientifically proven that if you're looking for the burn, a metabolic burn, or the, uh, it changes your core temperature, causes your body to 
burn fat. The zone, so to speak. They have hooked up machines to people that have done, jogged a couple of miles or done their little thing on the treadmill or whatever. And 10 or 15 minutes after they get off of that piece of equipment, their core body temperature has returned back to normal. However, people that have done, say, eight sprints, people that have done eight car pushes, people that have done eight sled pushes, people that have gone up 10, 15 flights of stairs, people that have done body weight circuits, one body weight exercise after the other for 10 or 15 minutes at a time. They measure their core body temperature. Usually their core body temperature is, is elevated from anywhere from 45 to two, minute, to two hours after they're done which means you're in the fat-burning zone or in the burning zone or in the conditioning zone way longer than you are with hamster wheel, slow-burn cardio. Very simple. So what do you want to do? You want results or you just want to do what's easy and what you want to do? Well, what I want to do is be king of the world and I want to have a harem with 300 women in it and have endless money. But I don't have that, so I do other things. I work hard. And if you're going to go to the gym, you might as, be, might as well be prepared to work hard. So, that being said, this is the first step to getting into that gym and getting yourself conditioned. Let's say you're not going to go to the gym, you still need to be conditioned. We start with building up your work capacity. So, get out there and take a walk. Get out there and pick up something and carry it a short distance. Put it down carry it some more. Carry your child around in your arms throughout your house. Hold that child, that straight arms like that as you're walking. When you get tired, hug the child to you. It's good for your core, good for your work capacity, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, take the bus, walk a little bit. Walk to and from work if you can. Ride a bicycle. Park farther away from your parking spot so you'll have to walk to and from that parking spot. That is the beginning of work capacity. This is the old geezer signing off right now. Stay tuned for the next episode of You Gotta Work Out. You Gotta Be In Shape to Work Out and Be In Shape. Later, folks.